0: God hasn't changed. What a great reminder today. In fact, that's going to be the theme of the message today. I want to invite you to open in your Bibles to the book of James, James chapter 1. We've been in a series where we've been asking the question, Who is God? It's our God is series, it's a year long series, and we are gazing upon the face of God. We are looking intently into his word, asking this question, Who is God? learning about his nature and discovering more about his character and his work. You know, we can only understand the world around us in light of who God is. We can only understand the world that God has created in light of who he is. So it's important for us to ask that question, who is God? And we need to also ask, what do I believe about God? We need to test those beliefs. We need to test those assumptions. We need to test them in light of his word and say, God, what, what is it I believe about you? And then, and then to ask this question, is what I believe true? Last Sunday, we talked about truth, the fact that God is truth and that we can, at times, maybe often, believe things about God that are not true. And so we need to ask Are the things that I believe about God true? Then we also need to ask this what's my response? How do I respond to what I've learned about who God is? See, it's not just enough to know who he is and and what his nature is and what his character is and what his work is. We need to ask ourselves then how do we respond? How do I respond to who God is? How should this information and this understanding and this enlightenment impact my life? So we want to talk today about the fact that God is unchanging. God is unchanging. And that is good news for us. It is good news because we live in the midst of a world that is constantly changing in fact, over the last few months, we, we couldn't have predicted that we would be in the circumstances that we're in, because the world is constantly changing. Now, we understand that a lot of change that we experience is actually for the better. It's for, for the good, and, and, and change just is a part of life, a part of the world that we live in. But unexpected, unwanted, and sudden change can lead to increased stress and anxiety in our lives. It can have a negative impact. And, and the reality is we just want things to be the way we want them to be. Like when we get things set the way we want them to be, we don't want someone to come in and, and mess it up. We want things to be the way we like them. Here's what God's word says about him. Hebrews thirteen eight says this, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Revelation twenty two thirteen, 13, the very last chapter in the Bible, says this, Jesus makes this statement, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. The beginning and the end. See, God is not limited. That the scope of who He is 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 not restricted to the things that restrict us—space and time. That our, our time here on this earth, He is not res- restricted by those things. He was there before creation, and He will be there after the end. He is the Alpha, the the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. And then Isaiah forty. Verse 8, the prophet Isaiah writes this, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. The word of our God will stand forever. God is unchanging. His word doesn't change. His nature doesn't change His character, His being. In fact, I want to read through a list of unchanging attributes of who God is. His being, his, He is Father, He is Son, and He is Spirit. Those things do not change. They are unchanging uh, aspects of, of who He is. His nature, His character does not change. He's not flighty. He doesn't, he doesn't act a certain way one day and, and then another way the next. He is consistent. His love and his mercy are unchanging. His word is unchanging. His word is established forever. It is unchanging. His righteousness is unchanging. It is the same from generation to generation to generation. His work is unchanging. We heard about during communion today that his work at the cross is still the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. It has not changed. It is a complete work. It is a total work. His work is unchanging. His promises are unchanging. Can you say amen to that right where you're at? Amen. Jesus, we thank you that your promises are unchanging, that your promises are yes and amen. They do not change. God's faithfulness is unchanging, that he is faithful, he is faithful, he is faithful, he will do what he said he will do. He will never leave us nor forsake us. His compassion and his care for us are unchanging. Let me pause here for a second. God's compassion for you does not change he doesn't have compassion and care for you one day and then not care the next that his heart is for you that he his heart beats for you that there is a, a, a deep compassion in the heart of god for for you for your circumstance for the things that you are walking through the for the pain for the the, the suffering in your life that god is compassionate over you that is unchanging his justice is unchanging he is a just god his patience is unchanging that you cannot reach the limits of god's patience that is good news today his plans are unchanging his plans now your plans and my plans change all the time All the time, we are constantly changing our plans and adjusting our plans. But the plan that God has had for your life, for this world, for his church, has not changed since the foundations of the world. His plans do not change. His truth is unchanging. God's truth does not change. Change. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. It doesn't matter what's being taught, what's being said, what kind of thinking is going on, what kind of changes are happening around us. His truth stands forever, it is eternal. And His purpose and His mission for His church, not our church, His church, we are His. Body, We are his church, and his purpose and his mission for us has not and will not change. In fact, last week we talked about the fact that Jesus is our fixed reference point, that God is our fixed point of reference. When we get lost, when we lose our way, we can always look to him because he does not change. We can always look to him and know where to go, to know what to do next. So if God is unchanging, if we see this this attribute, this this fact about who he is, when we ask who is God, and we realize God is unchanging, that he doesn't shift, he doesn't change, he he isn't wishy-washy, he isn't up and down, that he is absolutely consistent. Our next question needs to be this then. What is my response? How should this affect my life? Now, I, I've grown up in church and, and I've heard so many sermons. I've preached just so many sermons where I bring about the, the point of application. How does this apply? And so often application looks like this. How do I take what I've just learned and make my life better? How do I take the information, kind of sort through it, sift through it, kind of pick and choose what I like the best and apply it to my life in a way that makes my life better? But Can I tell you that's not enough? That's not an appropriate response. What we need to say is, God, in light of who you are, what should be my complete and total response to you? And this is important. See, we first need to look at God And then we look at our context, our situation, our circumstance. Let me say this again. This is super important for us to catch. We first look to God, and then we look at our circumstance, at our context. So often what happens is this. We look at our context. We look at our circumstance. We look at the questions we're asking, and and then we look to God. And we answer the question, who is God, based on what's going on in our lives what we feel, what we want, and then we look to Him and we answer that question and we muddy the waters. We first have to look at God. We first have to understand who He is, honestly, humbly, truthfully, seeking Him, looking to Him, gazing upon Him. And when we first look to God, then we apply it in our Context. See, it's not based on how I feel. It's not based on my circumstances. It's not based on whatever thought or thinking or popular ideas are floating around in the world at any given point. See, God doesn't change, so I have to look to him first. See, if we get this backwards, church, if we get this backwards, we end up making God what we want him to be. We make him to be what we want him or what we need him to be. Another word for that is idolatry. We get involved in idolatry. You might think, well, Pastor Barry, how is that even possible? How can I make an idol out of God? Well, We can do this. We can say things like, I- I'm, I I'm going to just focus on love. Well, love apart from God can, can become a tool that I use against It can become manipulative. And so love can become an idol. The, The practices of my faith can actually become idols in my life if I put them before who God is, an understanding, a truthful and right understanding of who he is. I learned this week about something called therapeutic theology. Maybe you've heard of it. Therapeutic theology is this. It's, it's an approach to theology that just makes me feel better or makes my life feel better. It's a way of doing the work of theology. Theology simply being this, the study of God, seeking to understand who God is. What therapeutic theology is, is going to the word of God and saying, God, I, I'm just going to look at the verses. I'm going to look at the passages that make my life better. I'm going to understand you and and, and and filter you in my life in such a way that my life just is better. And if we do that, we miss the fullness of who God is. Now, does God want to have a positive impact in your life? Does he want to bless you? Absolutely. We talked about that, the promises of God. He, he has... He is for you. He's not against you. He wants to He wants to make you the head, not the tail. There are promises in God's word that are absolutely for you. But the danger is we can just look at those promises, but not look at the more difficult parts of Scripture and be challenged by those things. And so we have to move beyond therapeutic theology. See, the goal is not feeling better. The goal is to be holy. The goal is to become more like Jesus. See, when we come to the word of God, when we, when we gaze upon who he is, and we ask the question, who is God? We should be humbled. We should be undone. There should be this, this wrenching that takes place in our, in our soul where we realize that we miss the mark. Well, we've been saved by the blood of Jesus. And when we call on his name, the Bible says that we will be saved. When we put our faith in him, we will be saved. But we also recognize, as Patrick shared a couple of weeks ago, we're also a work in progress. That that God is that sculptor that is removing the parts that do not belong. And it's when we gaze on his face, when we look to who he is and we understand who he is, that those parts of us that don't fit, that don't belong, that shouldn't be there, come into view. And our hearts should break over that. We should be humbled. We should then be conformed to his image as he does the loving work to change our likeness into his unchanging likeness. So if God is unchanging, what does that mean for you? And for me, if God is unchanging, then what does that mean for our lives? What means certainly that we can put our hope and our trust in him. I want to hope and trust in something that doesn't change. That is forever. That is eternal. And God is that something. He is that someone he doesn't change. And so I can hope put my hope and my trust in him. See, I can look to him in every circumstance of life. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my defender, as the word tells us. See, but it's got to be more than that. It's got to go a little deeper than that. You see, right thinking about God as individuals and as the church collectively leads us to right behavior. Right thinking about God will lead us to right behavior, to right practice. See, how we think about God, who God is, will always have an impact on how we live our lives. Jesus called it the fruit of our lives. Paul wrote in Galatians that we're supposed to evidence the fruit of the Spirit. Well, the fruit of the Spirit are characteristics, the unchanging characteristics Of who God is. What if God is unchanging. What does it mean for us? In our reading this week. In the God is journal. We read out of Hebrews 13. And I just want to read the very first verse of Hebrews 13. It says this. Keep on loving one another. As brothers and sisters. Keep on. Keep on. Don't stop. Don't give up on this. Keep on. Don't change. Don't change. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. You see, when we reflect the heart of God, when we reflect the love, the unchanging love of God, it means that it will affect the relationships in my lives, in my life, in our lives. See, if God is unchanging in his love and... My goal is to become more like God. What I need to do then is evaluate the way I love people. And is the way I love people conditional? Does Is the way that I love people based on whether or not I'm getting something from them? Whether they love me back? See, God's love for us is consistent. It's unchanging. Now, I know this. I don't always act in a loving way to God. I don't always reciprocate that love. To him, yet I know this: He loves me. How much more than should we love each other, rather than giving ourselves permission to not love, to tear down, to destroy? We are called to love the way that God loves. Another passage out of our reading uh, comes out of James chapter one, and I want to read this passage of scripture together starting in verse 17 james 1 17 it says this every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created my dear brothers and sisters take note of this everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says james starts out here by pointing out that god is unchanging the unchanging nature of god says that god is is the author and the and the one who who gives perfect gifts everything coming down from above from the father of lights it says that he says that he doesn't change like shifting shadows you watch as the sun moves through the day; the sh- the shadows w- will move. We have a, a, a tree in our front yard, and we like to sit out in our driveway and and just relax. We have some chairs out there, and and you know, especially in the evening, we'll watch the the sunset. But just the other day, we were sitting in the driveway, and 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 we were sitting in the shade of this tree. But as the sun kept moving through the sky. Of course, that that shadow kept moving, and so we kept finding ourselves in the direct sunlight. So we'd have to pick our chairs up and and move over, and 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 so it wasn't constant. It, it was con- it was changing. It was moving, and so we had to adjust. James is saying God is not like that. He doesn't change like the shifting shadows. He is consistent. He does not change. James says he provides everything. Every gift is from him the father of heavenly lights. What does he mean by that? It means that he is the God of creation. Remember what I said earlier, that, that God's creation can only be understood in the light of who he is. James is echoing that idea right here. He is the God of creation, the father of all creation, the one that is in control, the one that does not change. So we need to remember who he is that we need to fix our eyes on him. We need to look to him and understand who he is from, from the beginning to now, that God does not change. He goes on to say that we've been birthed through the word of truth, that we have new life because of the word of truth. That Jesus gave birth to us through his sacrifice at the cross, and he is the word of truth. We've been born out of truth. And, and he says that we're a first fruits. What, what does that mean? It means that what, what the church is, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, that we've been set apart. First fruits were the tithe, they were the offering that was set apart. It's what we do when we give to the Lord, we take of, of, of our finances. And we set it apart for his work, for his kingdom, for his glory, for his honor. And and James is saying that we are a first fruits. We've been set apart in the midst of the world for his glory, for his purposes to, to stand out in the world. We're supposed to be distinctive in a good way. I think so often the church is distinctive, but not because of our love, not because of our grace, not because of our compassion for all kinds of other things things. We are supposed to be uh, just set apart. We're supposed to be distinctive in the world because of our love, because we are the first fruits birthed out of the truth of who Jesus is. And so he sets this stage and then he brings this admonishment, this encouragement to the church. He says, in light of this, in light of the fact that God doesn't change that he doesn't shift, that he is the author of all things, that he is the giver of good gifts. And because we've been birthed out of the truth of who Jesus is, he lays the foundation for us. Then he says this, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What's our response to an unchanging God? Well, we have to take a close look at our own lives. We have to examine our own lives. And we have to start asking, where is it in my life where I'm becoming angry? Where is it in my life where I don't listen well? And I'm not just talking about setting aside a few minutes in a conversation. Am I listening well to the people in my life, to my family members? Am I listening to what's going on in their hearts And am I listening to my, my community? Am I listening to the world around me? Am I aware of what the struggles are, the pains are, the suffering? Or am I so focused on myself that all I hear are the cries of my own heart? See, we need to be quick to listen. The Bible says that God's ear is inclined to us, that he's listening to us. In fact, just a few months ago, we had a, a Sunday where we talked about the fact that God is listening. He's inclined. He's listening to us. Yeah, how often do we not pay attention to the world around us? We don't listen to what's really happening in people's lives. We don't listen to the sorrows. We don't listen to the struggles. It says, be slow to speak slow to speak, before we would just offer whatever opinion, whatever thought, whatever pops into our head at any given moment, that we would think about what we're saying. Can I just encourage you, think about the words that you say before they come out of your mouth, before you post them to social media, before you broadcast them for the world to hear. What is it that is coming out, flowing out of us? Is it righteous? Is it holy? Does it honor and glorify God? Is it in line with his nature, his character, his truth? We have to stop. We have to think, what am I saying? Is it healthy? Is it life-giving? And then slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. And this is not just anger management. This is not just becoming more self-controlled. But there's a progression that happens when I understand who God is, his nature and his character. When I align myself and I humble myself before him, what's gonna happen in my life is a point of transformation where I don't just default to anger. I will default to compassion. And so the, the presence of anger in my life, anger that is not righteous, will always expose the places where I lack compassion. And God is a God of compassion. That his compassion does not change. And he calls us to walk in the same way. He says that human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. Listen to this, church. Human anger. Anger that is based out of the flesh. Anger that is based out of my wants, my desires. I want, I need doesn't produce righteousness, the kind of righteousness that God desires. In fact, it'll move us away from that. It won't conform us to the image of God. It will mar that image. God desires for us to be righteous like he is righteous, to be holy the way that he is holy. James goes on to say, get rid of all moral filth. Now, now listen, We default to the bad stuff. You're probably thinking of, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. I know I've seen some moral filth. But but let me just level the playing field a little bit. Moral filth is anything that is contrary to God's nature, his character, and his holiness. If it's not in line with who God is, it is moral filth. Now, Now, when we look at our own lives, through that lens, we realize we're missing the mark in so many ways. That moral filth, those places where I give myself permission to act and behave and think and do things in a certain way that are not in line with God, James would define those things as moral filth. And so we have to, we have to evaluate, say, God, what is it in my life that doesn't align with you, with your character, with your nature, with your word? God, show me. Reveal that to me. James goes on to say, accept the word. Accept the word of truth. Accept the word that was deposited in your heart. Here the picture is that Jesus shows of the sower, the seed and the soil, that God is wanting to deposit his truth in our hearts and in our lives, that we would humbly accept the word, James says. Humbly, humbly. Why? Because my pride will cause the soil of my heart and my soul to be compacted and not allow that word to come to come in to receive it. And so we have to humble ourselves before God, allow him to soften us so that we can receive the word of truth. We need to understand who God is, and he says this will save you. Not that, not that we've, we, we've, we lose our salvation in Jesus. But what he's saying is that we are in process and that w- there are times, let's just be real for a second. We need to be saved from ourselves. We need to be saved from saying and doing things that do not honor the Lord. We need to be saved from the circumstances that are tearing us apart from the sin that, that so easily entangles. That We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, as the writer of Hebrews says. And so we need to be saved in the sense that God's word will rescue us, will save us. And then he closes with this. He says, don't just listen to the word. Don't just listen to it and deceive yourselves. See, when we listen to the word, we go, wow, that's good. Oh, I like that. I'm not so sure about that. And we pick and choose. And we do our therapeutic." Theology. What ends up happening is we don't live it out. Oh, we might live out one or two points, but we don't live out the whole Word of God. We don't live out the Word of God in accordance with who He is. We don't look to Him fully and say, "God, I want to be You. I want to. I want to reflect You. I want to be like You, rather. I want to reflect You in the world. In the world, I want to be conformed to You, Your image." And we pick and choose, and we give ourselves permission to live in a way that is contrary to what his nature, his desire, and his purpose for the church is. I want to close today with an encouragement for us as a church. We we are absolutely, you've heard it said already so many times, we are in unprecedented times. But God doesn't change. There have been difficult seasons and difficult times all throughout the history of mankind, all through the history of the world. You can write in scripture, we read about all kinds of difficult circumstances and and tragic circumstances and and situations of persecution. This is not new to God. He does not change. He's been there through everything that has happened in history. He has been there and he is here walking with us in the midst of what we are walking through. And in the midst of that, we are called to be His church, His bride, His prophetic witness to the world around us. As we are now just weeks, even months, into the stay-at-home orders, into not being able to gather as the body of Christ in person, as there are limitations and restrictions, What we're starting to see, and what I am seeing, which is breaking my heart, is that people are lashing out. They are lashing out at each other. They are lashing out at at those in authority over them. And my purpose is not to take a side or promote an agenda. In fact, the only agenda that I would want to promote is this. It would be God's agenda. What is God calling us to as the body of Christ? What is he calling us to as the church? How is he calling us to live in line, with his, in line with his unchanging nature, his unchanging character, the way that he loves, the way that he extends compassion? How is that affecting us as the church? It's in seasons like this where we as the body of Christ need to set the example. We need to be that first fruit. We need to be set apart and stand out as the ones who love, the the ones who extend grace, the ones who are slow to anger and slow to speak, that we would listen to the world around us. I am not saying that we should not exercise sound judgment and discernment about what's happening in the world. But church, can I encourage you that we need to test and check our motives that we need to check our words, that we need to check our responses. We need to check the things that we are posting and sharing and reposting and say, God, does this reflect you well? To humbly come before him and ask him to search our hearts. There are no easy answers in the midst of the season. There are no easy answers. As a church, as your pastor, as, as our leadership, we are trying to discern and 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 decide, Lord, how do we move forward as a church? What are our next steps? And I look forward to being able to share those things with you when we have something to share. At this point, though, we are just simply saying, God, we want to be in line with you. The, the cry of our heart as a church staff, as our pastoral team, is this, God first. God, we want you to go first. We, want, we don't want to go anywhere that you are not leading us to go. And my prayer, my encouragement to you would be this. Do likewise. Check your heart, check your motives, check your language, the speech that you're using and ask, is God being glorified? Is he being honored in the midst of us? At the beginning of this message, there's a video that said we are still his church. We are. That doesn't change. But how we live that out is up to us. It's up to us walking in step with him his word, his spirit. So I'm going to I'm going to ask us, would you commit yourself to saying God, I want to walk righteously. I want to walk in a way that honors you in the world so that people would be drawn to you, that people would know you, that people would love you, that people would come to you and be saved. That's what he's calling us to. Let's be that kind of church. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you do not change. You are unchanging. You are consistent, that you are forever. You are eternal. You see the beginning from the end. You are the Alpha and the Omega. Father God, I pray that in this moment of time, in this moment of history, that our our attention would not become so focused on our circumstances in our situation, but that, God, we lose sight of who you are. Help us, Lord, to turn our focus to you, to turn our attention to you, to ask, who is God? And as that question is answered through your word and by your spirit, Lord, that we would respond accordingly, that we would be ambassadors of the kingdom of God, that we would make your love and your mercy and your compassion and your grace known to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll be blessed as you go today. Be blessed. Love on the people in your home. Share the love of Jesus. Encourage one another. And as you encounter people this week, whether in person or online, would you share the love of Jesus with them? I encourage you invite someone to join you for church next Sunday. God bless you as you go.